On behalf of myself and B, we acknowledge that we are not indigenous. Rather, we are of settler colonial ancestry. Like many other settler people, we have benefited greatly from living on Turtle Island. As a visitor on this land, we have an important responsibility to acknowledge the grounds on which we are privileged to gather in the pursuit of building community. We are recording today in the traditional territory of the Three Fires Confederacy of First Nations, comprised of the Ojibwe, the Odawa, and the Potawatomi peoples. We are grateful to work, learn, and live in this area. We're making small talk with cool people. Welcome to our show, It's Small Talk! crying in the instant that you left and I can't remember where or when or how and I banished every memory you and I had uh, ever made so that was a great note however hello and welcome to the Windsor Small Talk <laughs> podcast I am your non-singing host B Zelda my pronouns are they them and I'm joined by the musical Bronwyn. Yes, and my pronouns are she, they. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Small Talk. Yes, I'm really excited. I think I'm like we have a human that we're speaking to today that um, they align with a lot of my interests, my values, my passions, and the things that I respect. So I'm really, really excited to speak with them. Ditto. <laughs> so listeners, if you have no idea who you're talking about, if you're like on the edge of your seat and you're like, oh my gosh, who are they talking to next? We are talking to the infamous Windsor drag queen, Lua! <laughs> Party! So, Lua, if you could just take a second to introduce yourself to our listeners. Yes. Well, first of all, I have to say, Bronwyn, your singing was top notch. I expect a Tony Award in your future. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. A Juno at a minimum. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you need the whole EGOT. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going for that EGOT. I was born for it. Baby. You need the EGOT. <laughs> um, well, my name is Lua. I'm a natural, like, born Windsorite, I guess. Um, I was born here, raised here. Um, I'm the queen of roses, I guess, <laughs> because of that. But um, I am very excited to be here. My pronouns are they, them in real life, and then she, her, when I'm in drag. And I can't wait to talk to you guys. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I guess for introing, like, Lua, what can you even tell us about yourself? Mm-hmm. So, I guess, like, in my real life, I'm kind of, like, awkward and, like, kind of shy, but, like, I'm very caring and compassionate, and then I feel like that all kind of bleeds over when I'm in drag, too. But like, except for the shy part, because like, when I'm in drag, I'm like, yes, I can dominate the world. <laughs> it's like, a, it's a whole personality change. Like, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I would say that like Lua is definitely kooky, creative, artsy. She's very compassionate. She loves to look at the strange side of things. She likes her people left of center, you know? Um, yeah, she, she's kind of like all around, but. I'm also a goof, so I'll probably say a lot of embarrassing things on here, but it's fine. <laughs> That's amazing. That's what we live for. Seriously. Now, I have a I have a confession to make. Um, Lua, I saw you very first perform at Villains Bistro, and I was actually doing the music, and I was waiting and waiting for the promoter to send me the tracks, because then I get an idea of what the show's going to be like, and I can match the, the intermission music to what's going to happen. And I got the strangest track <laughs> from this queen named Lua, and I had never seen this queen perform. And I was like, "What? What was the song? <laughs> it was. I think it was a Joanna Newsom song. Oh yeah, it was Miss Joanna Newsom. <laughs> yeah, and That's I was amazing. just like, okay, I can't wait to see how this plays out because it was such um, a standout track from the rest of the list. <laughs> and then when I hit play, and you like floated from the back of the room to the stage i was floored and 
you changed my idea of what drag in Windsor looked like. So I just wanted to give you some kudos before we get too deep into things. Cause uh -huh. and it's been an upward trajectory ever since then. So I'm super proud of you and so glad that I got to have that moment at villains to like watch you kind of, I don't know if it was your debut or not, but it was your <laughs> debut for me. And I've been watching Dragon Windsor for quite some time. Wow. So it was like, Mwah, chef's kiss. Oh my God, the accolades. I can't believe this. <laughs> like, I'm kind of blushing awesome. over you. I didn't even know that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> you know, I remember you actually from my very first show, because that was my very first show. Oh, so yes. that was my debut. And, you know, I said, I'm like, if I'm going to go and be a drag queen, I need to do something that's authentically me. So I need to pick songs that I know I can like emote from the inside out. And that's why I chose that Joanna Newsom song. Cause I'm like, I feel like I can be an ethereal kind of like fairy girl, like on the stage. And I feel like that would accurately represent me to an audience for the first time. And like, I'm glad that resonated because like, yes, I, I do remember you from that night. I was like, oh my God, they're cool. Like, I want to be friends with them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was three years ago, I think. I can't remember who else was on that bill that night, but it was just, and that's a testament to your drag right there that I don't remember who the other queens oh, were. No. And I specifically <laughs> picked you out and it, you stayed in, in my mind. So that gives a good segue into like, what are some of your inspirations for Lua mm -hmm. and, and their aesthetic and their song choices and, and any of the, any of the other choices you have to make as an artist? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question because like, um, I, I do think very deeply about the choices that I make when I'm in drag. Like I tend to be a very cerebral person. So when I'm choosing songs and when I'm choosing my aesthetic, I want it to kind of reflect my story as a human being, like as Matthew, which is my real name. So, you know, in my personal life, I was extremely bullied. I was constantly made to feel like the black sheep the outcast and with the neurodivergence that I also have I always felt like I was kind of an alien looking through a very thick pane of glass and not really understanding what was going on around me so that reflects in my drag because I choose songs that people are not going to expect that they're not maybe going to understand but they're going to feel it and that's how I operate in life is I like to make people feel good when they're in my presence and they might not know why they feel good. They might not know like, you know, how they got to this point, but like they feel better having talked to me, you know, as soon as they walk out the door than when they came in. So it's like, I, I, I just, I like that element of like strangeness, weirdness, kookiness that people don't expect and like, it's kind of like turning all of that bullying and harassment that I felt my whole life into something that's productive and creative. So like, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with like queens who do top 40 songs, wear bodysuits, mm -hmm. you know, a drag queen's drag queen or a drag king's drag king. Like- And choreo is choreo. And choreo like, that is, is a choreo. whole different level of respect. Like, yeah, Ooh. seriously, like for, for queens and Kicks kings who can dance, like that is like next level talent that I don't have. So like, I, I just want to bring something different that people don't see. So maybe they can see themselves in me if they were also yes. the black sheep, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and what I, what I find too is like, isn't that what art's supposed to do? It's supposed to make you feel something, but it's also supposed to make you self-reflect. Like mm -hmm. like you said, like you don't know why you feel good, but then you get a moment to reflect and maybe it's because you connect to the subject matter, maybe you relate to the queen. Like it just kind of does what art's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It makes question. you feel, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And uh, B and I can definitely relate to being othered as well. So Oh, that description of navigating the world like you're looking through like a very opaque glass 
and trying to like still go about everything like everybody else is, but you just cannot see through that fog. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's very relatable. That's real life. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> How do you find like your like being neurodivergent has impacted uh, even being a drag performer? Like you've kind of talked about the the two different personalities how how do you leverage those two while also kind of managing the chaos inside of your brain mm -hmm. yeah um definitely the perfect word choice is chaos <laughs> like it, it's kind of like just several atomic bombs like happening all at once and like it's you know so, sometimes it's a party but other times it can be exhausting but it's okay <laughs> um yeah like i think that's a good question too because like how how do you manage two sides of your personality into one like that's kind of something that I've had to ask myself before I even started drag I was like well how am I going to you know connect with people and actually be an authentic version of my artistic self like truly and I was like well duh just like just be yourself in drag like <laughs> like just like there's no reason why you should be anything other than who you are like when you're in drag and what i've learned from being lua is what i take into my real life as well so it's kind of like a transferable swap i guess okay yeah um and then like with the whole like neurodivergence aspect i didn't even know i was autistic until last year but I... oh heck friend <laughs> <laughs> Also, oh, I imagine it's been a very interesting year of like uh, a lot of self-acceptance and discovering new ways to handle situations. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's definitely how it feels like just a lot of like self-exploration and like introspection that kind of like that your soul like really needs because like your yes. soul is kind of like banging on the inside of your skin and it's like, let me out. Like I have a voice too. Like I need to listen and you need to listen to me. Um yeah, it's, it's definitely been like a very beautiful journey since, you know, discovering that I have autism last year and then ADHD when I was a child, it's like kind of putting all the puzzle pieces together and it's like, wow, oh my God, a full picture. Like, this is so <laughs> cool. Like, um, it's, it's been a very beautiful journey, but I mean, obviously it's had its hardships as well. So, <laughs> well, just like coming out as queer, there's always adjustment period, even for the people around you. Like, they have to uh, uh, decide how they're going to handle the labels and they're mm -hmm. going to handle the diagnosis and they're going to handle those sort of things too. Yeah. So, it kind of just like bleeds out into your whole universe. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good analogy. I like that too. That's a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me singing Celine and dropping, yes. you know, truth bombs. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe over here. Uh. <laughs> I myself identify as gender non-conforming b you identify oh as trans non-binary so basically the common theme is gender expression so how has drag allowed you to explore your own gender expression and and, and if you have any comments on how it's um how that's received by the people around you Ah, oh. oh my god you guys are hitting me like one two ko punch with all these like great questions <laughs> like <laughs> it's just the things that like we want to know so <laughs> this is like genuine like wanting to know that's great yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> well yeah i mean obviously great question like you know gender does come in a spectrum and it's really nice to know that i'm speaking to two people who feel like they can share that experience with me as well who don't fit into like the binary that society has forced upon them. Like I think as two beautiful, amazing people that you are, that's also very inspiring. I just want to say that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You guys are so cute. Um, and also <laughs> like just amazing people, like pillars in the community. So um, I just wanted to say that, but uh... <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Like for my gender journey, it's been a long ride, let me tell you. Like, um, I, okay, so truth tea, 
I actually did drag for about three months in 2015. So like a really long time ago and oh my god I was busted and crusted (laughs) like it was bad like oh my god you gotta start somewhere though you know yeah you have to start somewhere you know what even if like your lace is showing and you have like hairy arms like whatever it's all valid but like I I just didn't like how I was being presented so um but in those, in those three months in 2015, when I was doing drag, I was having the worst gender dysphoria of my entire life. And um, the reason why is because I couldn't reconcile being a drag performer and also trying to maintain my masculine image, like outside of drag. Because, oh. yeah, which is like, at that time, like I identified as a cis man. So I liked having my hair nice and like a beard trimmed nice and then wearing really masculine clothing. And I couldn't like necessarily give up that side of myself to go be the complete opposite, which is, you know, super feminine, wearing wigs, nails, stuff like that. Like, and that whole like three months of doing drag and having that like gender dysphoria, like actually kind of caused a mental breakdown in me where I just completely shut off from the world and entered into a very severe depression. And it forced me to kind of ask myself a lot of questions about my identity and what that identity means in like the sphere of the people around me and my family and friends. So I'm like, okay, I got to do a lot of introspection here. So from 2015 to 2020, where I wasn't doing drag, I was just kind of like, lost in this like gray zone trying Mm -hmm. to be this masculine version of myself that I didn't identify with but I knew that society would treat me better because I looked and acted like that and then it so then 2020 hits this is during the pandemic I'm like you know what fuck it like we have all this time to be in lockdown and to figure out like who we are we have all this time to reflect I'm gonna go inward and see like who I truly am and that was the discovery of being non-binary and then starting the journey of self-acceptance through drag so drag literally was like the tool that kind of encompassed my healing because I was able to put all of my trauma my pain my happiness my sadness all into one art form that allowed me to love myself for who I was so it made me comfortable with being non-binary and letting go of the shackles of what society says I need to you know, perform or portray. And um, since then, since 2020 to now, which is 2023, I feel completely liberated. And I feel, and and I'm sure both of you relate, like when you come out as queer, non-binary, gender non-conforming, like, or trans, it's like, it's like a release off of your shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, there's no other experience like it. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> you couldn't label the weight and the burden before, so it's hard to label the feeling of the relief. Yeah. But it is so visceral that you can't deny it. Yeah. You just can't. It's visceral. And that's what I, I think I related and connected to Lua as, a, as an art form is because of that kind of genderless, non-binary presentation of Lua because she's not... A man, woman, boy, girl. She's a an alien, alien fairy sure. goddess. Yes. <laughs> and that alien fairy goddess is the yeah, goal. And, and the thing that connected what I loved to what it brought up in me is is my um my idols. When I was growing up as a person in the nineties, I had David Bowie, Prince, Annie Lennox, those kind of gender fuckery musicians who were kind of saying you know, screw the binary, I'm going to present how I want. Mm -hmm. Those were the people that like, all I had to kind of look up to and say, like, I don't have to present this way. I don't have to be masculine, feminine or anything. I just have to be me. Mm -hmm. And so I think you kind of evoked that for me when I saw Lou and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I get to have my own Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> so Aww. it was wonderful. Yeah. Like right in front of me on stage. It's beautiful. Oh, I mean, everyone That's has nice. a Bowie inside them. You know, you, you just have to let it out. Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Have it. Everyone has it. Right, though? I can 
cannot think of any of my like alien gender non-conforming or like that those ambiguous inspirations that i had growing up um you had demons in anime i know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. does that count yes absolutely. they're all vaguely genderless yeah that's right you know what like in hell uh, no one has gender so <laughs> I wanted to be the Prince of Sands for so long and like that, yeah. I can be anybody, any gender. I just have to be super strong. Yeah, there you go. And you are super strong. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, but did you have any inspirational like icons growing up? How was the visibility for you, like, mm. of of genderqueer people? Okay, so as soon as B asked that question, it like instantly triggered an image in my mind because I grew up with Sailor Moon like oh you too yeah like i'm an early 90s (laughs) kid so like i really am a sailor moon like fanatic (laughs) (laughs) um that is like one of the most queer friendly tv shows for children and for that to come out in the 90s like right so progressive like i mean we got the north american version which told us that i can't remember the two um the two lovers they were cousins yeah in our version quote unquote cousins (laughs) yeah you know like we're roommates yeah we're roommates but we like are really close and we like touch and hug oh do cousins Mm -hmm. do that like i don't know Mm But, like, that show was absolutely iconic mm-hmm. uh, for just, yeah, some early 90s visibility when it came to. Because, again, I I didn't really listen to really good music. I, it was just anime for me. Mm-hmm. And Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, that's kind of what raised me. Yeah. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z, too. Like, I feel like there's a lot of representation in that show as well. Like, m- maybe especially for people that are looking for, like, an excuse to be very strong and powerful, just like those. you know like i feel like that's what i would want looking at somebody (laughs) kid me like was just so happy because of it like Uh, i saw myself in gohan like the little kid that was you know half half saiyan half human (laughs) yeah it's like i'm Uh, a part of this world but i'm not and like i'm trying to figure it out like it's that was yeah it just really really related to me Mm -hmm. that's nice (laughs) yeah it is it is so nice and it kind of segues into a topic that um, feel free to say, no, I don't want to talk about it. It is a little bit inflammatory. We're going to maybe the political climate. Um, as we saw all over Instagram and the internet, there were literal Nazis showing up at a drag show in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. which is only about three hours away from Windsor. Um, as a, queer person who loves drag and has been to many drag brunches and drag shows that are accessible from the street yeah um that sent shivers down my spine and to see that people are trying to erase uh trans and queer people uh are trying to criminalize drag are trying to basically take away the visibility that we know queer kids need um how do you feel about that if you'd like to comment Mm -hmm. yeah um i definitely would like to comment because i think you know especially as drag performers we kind of have this like platform where we do need to speak up about this because we are someone in the public that people could be looking up to or at least being able to listen so um i think it is important for us to talk about it um i actually didn't know about the Nazi situation in Columbus, Ohio. Um, this is the first time I've ever, ever heard of it, but like I, I do know that drag is becoming so weaponized by the political right and especially trans people. Like that is like the number one, you know, uh, topic. And it's, it's very unfortunate because trans people and drag performers have so much beauty to offer this world and so much color and richness that humanity needs. You know, trans people have existed for thousands and thousands of years in many, many, many cultures and drag has existed for an extremely long time too. And, you know, because there are societies that subvert the norm, these societies including trans people and drag performers, like they have something to teach the majority, 
you know, the majority has something to learn from the minority groups. And I, you know, I, I'm also talking about minority groups like Black people, Indigenous people, you know, like there is something to be learned by the oppressed because we are probably like minorities, we're probably the most resilient people ever. Because we, what choice have we had? Yes, you know? with all the shit that we go through and all the adversity <laughs> we go through, like, and all this dogma that we have been fed down our throat our whole lives, mm -hmm. like, we are so resilient because of that. And the majority can learn something from us because we know what it's like to be disenfranchised and we can give pointers about how to be strong, how to be courageous, how to speak up, how to be brave, how to be there together for your fellow people. Like it's, um, it's, it's truly a shame that like the United States and probably Canada are falling into this trap that queer people are demons and groomers and pedophiles and it just couldn't be more of a lie. Like yeah. they, it's, it's just a tactic to kick minority groups down because they don't understand them you know yeah. and that's seriously like the lack of understanding the the half of these people i guarantee have never spoken to a queer person in their life or if they have it's because that person is hiding and will never be able to be out because they have to live in fear yeah and, and all it takes is just talking to somebody and realizing like we're humans we're people we have fears we have dreams joys happiness just like you and i I mean, my unpopular opinion is I just hope that they all live out their time soon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the shade I, of it all. I have, to say, yeah, I have to say there's there's two things that I think about a lot of this. Because um, I spent a very long time presenting as a, a, a cis heteronormative person. Um, I came into myself much later in life so I got to have a lot of privilege for a good chunk of my formative years and what I've noticed is there's always this message of you can be whoever you want to be mm -hmm. but guess Except. what queer and trans people are the <laughs> perfect example of being who you want to be and cis people are quite frankly jealous because there are so many rules in the cis norm heteronormative culture yeah. that men have to look like this and act like this and feel this and women have to act like this. And so it's like, we say the message, be whoever you want to be, unless you're this or unless you're this or unless you're this. So all those rules. So I can't imagine what it's like to like press your face out and watch these queer people prancing around in all their joy being Living who they want to be yeah. and be stuck in a box and project mm. that jealousy and that envy onto us as anger and hate that's and, such an empathetic point of view though and the second one is a lot less empathetic okay. <laughs> the second angle <laughs> is that we are political pawns in a more sinister agenda I think both mm. can be true yeah where these these political people that are climbing the ladder, they're power hungry. They're distracting us with a boogeyman of drag and trans people while they position themselves to keep their boots on our necks. Mm -hmm. um, Cause if they can make, keep us scared, sick and uneducated, mm -hmm. we can be controlled. Yep. So there's that like sinister power dynamic that I think this is just the boogeyman of the day. Um, while we're all fighting each other, they're doing some sinister stuff in the shadows. And so that yeah. makes me feel ickier. So that I tracks. just like to oh, <laughs> not think about it too often, but it's really important to talk about. So I'm glad that you guys are willing to have this discussion with us right now. And listeners, if it got too heavy for you, we'll get to some lighter stuff a little later. <laughs> <laughs> Promise. I am down for the heavy stuff. Like... <laughs> I'm ready. It's necessary. It's reality. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it comes with being a queer person. We have to take the heavy with the joy so that we can exist. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously. That's yeah. a part of life. So you have so much cool stuff on your resume so far, Lua, as a drag performer. Um, you made your debut at that show at Villains, 
but you've had you got married yes. to um hudson bay which i love also that you do lois lua is that you bring queens with you onto stage and other types of drag performers like drag kings there has been a a, a gap in the scene for mm. drag kings and other identifying types of drag performers and so i'm like oh so glad that you're doing that you were a part of a lip sync extravaganza um you're bringing baby queens onto stage with you like just give us an idea of like some of your um career highlights and what you have coming down the line oh that is a good question <laughs> <laughs> give us the tea give us the tea um well first like you know i started drag obviously in the pandemic so i didn't really expect like where drag would go for me it was just kind of like a fun thing to do but now it's like you know three years in i'm like oh my god like drag is actually starting to pay my bills and this is yes. which is amazing like i yes, it is. that's the dream it's the freaking dream <laughs> it is the canadian dream not the american yes. one just the canadian one. no we don't like the no we anyway. don't like the american one but this is the canadian one <laughs> um yeah it's um it's it's very exciting. It's a very exciting time to be in Windsor right now because the community is growing. And it's not just because of me, it's because of Hudson Bay, it's because of Disco Jesus, it's because of Hawaii Good Vibes, Epoxy. There are so many, Gina Hayes, there's so many people that were doing drag before me that have you know opened up the gates and said, oh yeah, mm -hmm. okay, we're gonna make a drag community here in Windsor. So I'm just kind of like taking the torch and taking the baton and I'm leading in my own way. And it's very exciting. Like Windsor, I predict, maybe in the next five, 10 years could be like a major drag city where people want to come here and be artists here. Oh, like, my goodness. I, I, I predict. I want that. Yes. Oh, that yeah. would be so happy. Yeah. People like Richard Reno and Lawrence Lavender, they've been bringing queens together and, and producing shows and venues like meteor and villains that are safe queer spaces yep. like there are audiences yeah. that uh cheer and tip and share and like we i agree with you completely we here in windsor could be a hub for the art of drag yes yep and with our proximity to detroit it could only benefit us yeah yeah, 100%. Like, I don't mind riding off the coattails of, you know, like, bigger, like, industries than me or bigger people than me. I, I think inspiration is, like, the greatest form of flattery. And, like, yeah, I think benefiting from Detroit and other major cities, like, you know, London, for example, they have a bigger drag scene than us. Like, we can kind of learn from what they're doing successfully, and then we can implement that into our scene, and we're doing it. Like, there's so many shows coming up. It's like actually too much. Like it's too much. Ah, no such thing. <laughs> no such thing. It's a lie. Don't you dare say that. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Um, well, that kind of makes me wonder. Um, I know, I don't know if it happened yet. The, um, the tour, the show that was going to the casino. Oh, the Work the World tour. So do you feel like by, like we're talking like big shows, like we're talking like Rue Queens now. Do you feel like by them coming to Windsor, does that take away from any of the local scene or do you think like the two kind of work in tandem <laughs> this is a hot take um oh no oh i'm so sorry <laughs> this is a hot take um it's a hot take because i have an opinion about that um i, okay. I just haven't talked about it publicly but i do feel comfortable sharing my experience because i know other people share that with me so um yes I do think that Work the World coming to Windsor is actually a detriment to the Windsor community. There's going to be people that are going to disagree with me. I know it, but I do think it is actually, you know, ugh, it's, it's kind of like um, taking like a fire hydrant and just like dousing the flames of what Windsor's trying to do because the local scene is growing here and there are dollars to be made 
here in the city. But then now you have all these famous American drag queens coming in and taking all the dollars that could be spent on local performers. Now they're spending 90 to $150 on one night for these queens that they'll never, ever see again. And it's like, you know, I, I'm all for, you know, going to RuPaul's Drag Race shows. I think that's great. The, they're great shows, like super high production quality. It's amazing. But I just think that it is the wrong time. And um, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. That's so fascinating to me. Like, I wonder what other industries we could compare to that, because this is kind of like a new phenomenon to me. I, I compare it kind of to, now hear me out. <laughs> okay. Sports. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Picture this, right? Because there are professional athletes, professional sports teams. So you could almost make the comparison that RuPaul's uh, Drag Race are like in the big leagues, right? Like they're in the mm -hmm. pros. There's the money in so that. So it's like we got NHL versus, what are we, the Spits? Well, just like, yeah, like an OHL team. So like, OHL. or you have like the Detroit Pistons and then you have the Windsor Express. So I honestly think like there's always going to be bandwagon jumpers. Or bandwagon jumpers. Mm -hmm that are gonna jump onto whatever's trendy and whatever has the most exposure and they're gonna throw their money at that. Same like they do when you go see a major music act at the casino versus a local artist at Fog, mm -hmm. okay. right? So there is, it's almost like you're never gonna convince those people that are only gonna give their money to Voss mm -hmm. being the drag. Voss being the company that produces Work the World and yes, all these okay, major shows. You're never going to convince them. If they're only looking at Voss, you're probably never going to get them to villains anyways to a show. That is a good So point. it's like, that for me is like, I, I don't, but I try to spin thing everything in a positive way. <laughs> so I think where, where yes, they're missed an opportunity to have local performers on the gig. Mm -hmm. They should invite local performers to warm up the crowd mm -hmm. and then give people uh, uh, a taste of what they can see in their own backyard. I, I think that's absolutely that. a missed opportunity. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think there's room for both. And I don't necessarily think you should, if someone wants to participate in drag, whether or not it's the pros or the minor leagues, mm -hmm. they should be celebrated for going to a drag show, not condemned for mm, they're too big and I, the money isn't going to me yeah it's, it's a it's a it's hard it's a balance right yeah, like you I have to kind of see it lots of ways sure. yeah and like lua is being somebody that would be directly impacted yes, by this like yeah. i absolutely understand that perspective 100 percent. because yeah. like i yeah that that's gonna like i'm gonna think about this a little bit today yeah and that's what we're doing <laughs> here right we're having small talk yes that's <laughs> yes, the name of the show that, that is, that's good food for thought like it really is and i i definitely see that perspective as well like you know for people that don't rely on that ticket money to literally help pay their bills and put keep a roof over their head then they might not care but like or sorry they, they might care but if, if it's like not affecting them directly then it's like oh yeah sure go see like the big leagues like you said you know mm -hmm. but it's um i think that people are entitled to make whatever choices they make of and course. i'm not Absolutely. ever going to chastise people for going to go see this amazing show because it is amazing you know yeah well it, it and what i like too is is every time you go like B and I have been to a lot of those higher production shows. I've seen them in Toronto. We've seen them in Detroit. We've seen them um, in other cities up before one. <laughs> and it's always awesome to see drag performers in the crowd, in the audience with us. Yeah. Because you kind of see where your career can go. It's almost like you get a glimpse of the opportunity and the possibility of making that kind of rue money as you want as some people call it right yeah okay yeah so it's almost like it's like watching that little kid in the you know who's takes a thousand slap shots in their driveway going to a hockey game and seeing what's possible so i kind of see like these sports references <laughs> cute little baby queens watching the stage and seeing what's possible is, yes. is pretty cool yeah. and that is really lovely yeah i, I see that too <laughs> So, 
shows. What do you got coming at us? When are we going to get to see Lua on stage? And and what makes each show kind of unique and different from the other? Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of shows coming up, like I said, in May, June, and July. So um, the most recent show that I'm doing is one in Sarnia, which is May 13th. That's going to be for Amanda Villa's birthday. Who's I amazing. like Amanda Villa. Yes. First ever queen I've seen on roller skates. I know. Like choreo, choreo roller skates. Like yeah. The whole thing is just so impressive. So impressive. It makes me so happy. I would literally break seven tibias by doing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. I don't even know how to find, find extra tibias and break them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm breaking them, whatever boat it is. <laughs> um, yeah, phenomenal performer. So uh, I'm lucky to be doing that with Benz Minova and Galaxy. So that's on May 13th. Nice. Um, there's a show at Villains on May 19th that is our Spring Saplings, and it's basically a show for drag performers who have never, ever, ever performed before, and they're just brand new on the scene, and we're giving them this uh, chance to have that spotlight. So awesome. that's going to be fun. Um, there's a show May 22nd or 25th, I believe, one of those two days. That's from Hudson Bay. And it's like a video game style kind of show. So cool. I haven't decided what I'm doing yet, but like it's it's gonna be stupid and weird. And like I just can't wait to make people like, I don't know, question their sanity, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh I think and then there's a couple ones in June too. Um, there's like a seven deadly sin show that I'm hosting on June 24th at Meteor. That is like going to be fun because different Kings and Queens are encompassing each of the sins in their performances. So, um, yeah. And then the biggest one that I want to talk about because it is probably the hugest is on July 1st, which is Canada day, um, or colonial day, I guess. (laughs) Um, we're doing like a drag parade and drag show on Peely Island and that i just heard about this yeah. just found out about this mm-hmm. tell me more tell me more <laughs> yeah so peely island I, li- I used to live there for three summers just doing some work and all that and i just love that island so much it's the limestone it just gets to me and <laughs> um i thought it would be a good idea to introduce drag to peely because like not only is peely a very healing place for me and for many others but i think as queer people since a lot of us have you know extra damage than others they can come to this place and be truly authentically themselves and have a place to celebrate that so we're going to be doing a parade and there's going to be drag performers walking along um i think it's like a like a 20 foot 18 foot cadillac or something it's huge <laughs> I, I i don't do math so i don't know how long it is but it's it's huge sure yeah me neither <laughs> <laughs> i don't know math just calcula it's it's weird um uh-huh. and then there's and then there's a show and a rave right after so it's gonna be nice. really interesting since well um we have a lot of American tourists that are on the island, especially from Ohio. Uh, a lot of Republicans that are on the island. So it's going to be very interesting to see how those American Ohio tourists react. <laughs> like maybe Margaret Atwood. Yeah. What? She lives on the island. Yes, she does. Oh. Some part of the year. Yes. Okay. I have stories about that. So oh. I do. <laughs> Okay, I want to share those. I don't know how much time we have left, but yes, I want please. to share those. No, you're good. So <laughs> I used to work at the bakery on Peely from 2016 to 2018, and Marker Atwood would come in every so often to, you know, get a coffee and some food. And she is um, an interesting person. <laughs> like, I, I swear to God, she hated my guts. Like, at first, <laughs> like, because at the time, I was a little, like, at the time when I was working there for the first time, I was a little baby zygote. I had no idea what the difference was between espresso and coffee beans were. So yes. so she asked me that question, and I and I gave her the wrong answer. And one of, and she goes, you know, if you're going to be a barista, you should really know the difference between espresso and coffee. I felt like a little worm in the ground. Like, my God, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. And then, you know, as like the days went on and the summers went on, she ended up getting a little bit nicer to me, nicer to me. And then she finally learned my name in the last summer that I was there, which felt like an honor. And the best part 
is that my sister who worked with us on the island for my for my last summer she i think it was like i think like it was her first time meeting margaret atwood or something but she didn't actually meet her. She accidentally slammed the door in Margaret's face because she didn't know who <laughs> Margaret was. So, my, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm like, oh my God, retribution for being so mean to me. But exactly, <laughs> it's karma. Karma, yeah. Like it's it was so great, and uh, <laughs> we had to like wheel her her and her husband's electric scooters to the back of the bakery because their electric scooters died in front of our store so so they come in and margaret in her voice she's like so our scooters died can you please wheel them and charge them for us and then i'm like okay sure so then we like literally leave in the middle of our shift and we're like charging their scooters in the back and i'm like oh my my god (laughs) like what is life right now <laughs> Seriously though, yeah. like, she's an interesting. And can one. I just say that your impression of Margaret Atwood sounds a lot like Alaska Five Thousand? <laughs> oh. and, and I was just like, that is so good. Oh, that is. If you excellent. ever get to do a snatch game, you can be Margaret Atwood. You know what? Seriously, I might. I buy what? it. I might. Like, if I ever audition for Drag Race, I will definitely do that. <laughs> it's applicable for us Canadians too. Yeah. You know? Like. <laughs> Canadian content. Oh my yes. god, that is so heckin' good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other questions that I didn't ask. Burnout was the one that I didn't really... Do you want to talk about burnout? Like, how have you managed that at all? I oh, know yeah. as a performer and as a human being that's also trying to work a job and make a living and being in my day-to-day, burnout is it's soul-crushing and it comes at you when you've been deep in it without even realizing it and then you're drained of all your energy and your soul and you don't know how to continue. How yeah. have you been with that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of feel like Hades in like the Hercules movie where like yeah. your soul is in that like giant like whirlpool of like other dead souls. Like <laughs> it's that's kind of how burnout feels. <laughs> um it's uh yeah, I mean like, you know, not to get too depressing, but like burnout is really hard. And you know, for me, like I I want to get rid of the stigma of applying for disability because I just applied for disability myself yesterday. And um, heck yeah. Yeah. Like there is no shame in asking for help, especially if it means that it's going to contribute to your well being. And like mm-hmm. I, um, I realized through my journey of like wellness that having autism and ADHD and working with customers and clients and having those interactions for eight hours a day is extremely draining and you don't have energy to do anything else after. So I'm like, well, how do I supplement my income, but also like, you know, stay happy. And, and I'm like, well, you know what, I'll just work part-time I'll do drag and I'll have disability cover the rest. Like there's absolutely no shame in that. Like I've accepted my boundaries i've accepted my thresholds for what i can handle especially in burnout and it it kind of like it's it's like when you like a phoenix like you you know you Mm -hmm. you burn and then you are reborn and then you burn and then you reborn and right now i I felt like i was kind of like in ashes rediscovering myself and like growing myself in a new way so i'm like okay i I feel like I have a better understanding of my future because I know who I am and what my limits are. And that's my advice for anyone that's yes. in burnout. Like know what your limits Finding are. Your limits. Know your limits and ask for help. Like seriously, yes. like throw your pride out the door and never call her again. Like seriously, <laughs> restraining order. Unless like, it's June. Yeah. And pride all day. Oh, yes. <laughs> No, yes. Okay. (laughs) No, that's really heckin valid. Like those, like if I could echo that as well, I think that was like, that'd be a really important thing for other folks to consider. Cause like that, that example as well, like the Phoenix of like you, you rise, then you burn and then you, you know, come back from the ashes and then you might rise up farther because you've, you've now learned from your mistakes, but you still might do the same things that cause you to burn out, but in a different way. So it, yeah. for me, at least it took a lot of burning out. It wasn't just a one-time thing. And then I was fixed after it, it's been a few times. So like, I really admire your, like your ability to make, uh, to set up those barriers and like mm-hmm. take yourself and your self care seriously. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Thank you. You can't pour that. from an empty cup. 
Exactly. And we, and for myself on the outside, I crave good art. So why do I want an artist to suffer if it means the art is going to suffer? So mm-hmm. I love like hearing about what people need and what they like, what those boundaries are so mm-hmm. that I can respect them so that we can cultivate good art mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Okay. Right. So as someone who's an ally to someone with neuro neurodivergence and, and like, tell me what you need and I'm there. And also as an educator, like it's my job to figure out how to accommodate, how to understand and, you know, make sure that everyone has a chance to be their best self. So Mm. like, but even as a patron of the arts, like artists, tell us what you need. We will help you. (laughs) And then we'll all get beautiful art and the world will be better. Kumbaya. (laughs) <laughs> that we is are the, world. the dream um, <laughs> and speaking of things that are uh, dreamlike and wonderful Lua where can we find and support you online and or in person yeah so you can support me on Instagram at she is Lua um, I sell merch there you can check out one of my story highlights on my page um, you can support me by coming to my shows all of my upcoming shows are on my Instagram and you can also support me by um, buying me an iced coffee if you see me walking on the street. <laughs> how do you like, how do you take your iced coffee? I take my iced coffee um, as cold as the, you know, spirit of winter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lee Burius, God of the North Wind. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Yes. <laughs> That has been fabulous. Thank you so much, Lua. This was an absolute delight. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in to another episode of Windsor Small Talk. Uh, if you all want to follow us, you can do so. We are on Instagram as face- Instagram and Facebook. There we go. As uh, Windsor Small Talk. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I am BZelda underscore. Uh, Bronwyn, can anybody find you on the internet or do you not exist? Um, you don't have to exist well, if you don't want to. As a teacher, I try not to exist in the real world because it's like this fish out of water situation. When I run into teenagers, I know. Yeah. So you just don't want to talk to them, and they don't want to talk to you. Oh no. <laughs> so just find us online as as a podcast. Yes. That would be perfect. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Lua, for joining us. And um, thanks for having nice me. Intro. <laughs> yes. Perfect. There's our outro. Yeah. <laughs> We're making small talk with cool people. Welcome to our show. It's small talk. Hey y'all, be Zelda here because I know you have not heard enough of my voice, but I'm just popping in to remind you all that we have a Patreon page. It is something that is building and budding like the flowers in springtime. Currently, you can get exclusive snippets and previews to episodes before they come out, as well as Bronwyn and I will be trying and playing a handful of two-player and co op tabletop games and I'm a huge fan of indie games because why not get creative with the way that we tell stories and gamify it so everybody else can have as much fun make sure you follow us on patreon we are Windsor small talk take care